Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Conservative Woman's Guide. I'm your host, Karen Lips. I wanted you to get to know some of the women who are featured in the new book, You're Not Alone, The Conservative Woman's Guide to College. So today, I'm joined by Jordan Ney, a recent graduate of Dickinson College, who is going to share more about her story of being a conservative on campus. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, as I was putting the book together, I collected stories from a number of our students and the responses that you sent in uh, definitely made the book. Uh, You have some great stories about what it's like to be a conservative on campus. I wanted to begin by asking you, how did you pick Dickinson? And then what did you get involved in on campus from the beginning? So before I attended Dickinson, I chose it because it was a beautiful campus and because it had small class sizes. I always valued education that I could have face-to-face with professors, build those relationships, and I saw Dickinson as a place where I could do that. Having attended Dickinson, I can tell you now that it was so much more than that and probably the best decision I've made in my entire life. Uh, But once I was on Dickinson's campus, I joined multiple extracurricular activities. So my first few years, I was actively involved in the college Republicans. I served as their vice president and their social media director. And during that time, I got involved on local campaigns, including door knocking, petitioning, volunteering at the polls, and working for various judicial candidates. In addition to that on campus, my, the majority of my time, I should say, was spent doing Dickinson Mock Trial, which is where we act like lawyers and travel around the country engaging in trial simulations. I can tell you that was one of the most rewarding parts of being at Dickinson. But among the other most rewarding parts, we're working for the Civil War Initiative on our campus, and then probably most relevant to this conversation, co-founding the Network of Enlightened Women my first year at college. What made you start the chapter? So I was never one to hide my political beliefs on campus. So the second that I got to Dickinson, everybody kind of knew me as the conservative on campus. I actually had a mother of one of the friends I had met at Dickinson reach out to me via social media with the Network of Enlightened Women Instagram. And she said, you know, I think this is an opportunity for you to make an impact, for you to get involved. So I said, hey, get me in contact with who I need to talk to. And we'll see about starting an organization for conservative women on campus. So really all it took was one mom of a friend to say, hey, take this leap and start something at Dickinson. Well, I think we owe that mom a thank you note. I think I'll connect with you after the show and we should uh, figure out a way to thank her. And that's great. And I know we've got some mom listeners out out there. So know that you can make a difference for young women on campus by just sharing you with some students that you know. So you mentioned that you were outspoken as a conservative on campus. How did that impact your social life from the beginning? Yeah, so yeah, I definitely never hid my political beliefs. Um, I'm someone who firmly believes that if you have to hide your beliefs, then they're probably not worth having because that means there's something inherently wrong with them or shameful about them. But there's nothing wrong with being conservative, and I knew that. But given that I was so open about my beliefs and everyone knew me as the conservative on campus, People got to know me for my political party before they got to know me as a person. And when that happens, it can be pretty challenging. People have all these assumptions about you without even ever talking to you. So on the one hand, I made amazing friends right off the bat, most of whom were liberal, but they respected me regardless of my political affiliation. And by the way, the vast majority of the people that I met at Dickinson followed or fell into this category rather. 
But I found that as long as I treated them with respect, they would return that respect to me most of the time. But on the other hand, there was this small minority of people who did judge me for being conservative without knowing me. Early on, I remember that I would leave rooms after having political discussions with friends or acquaintances, and I would hear them saying things about how stupid or uneducated I was for my beliefs, despite us having attended the same college. I remember walking into the cafeteria one time and seeing people laughing and pointing at me, and I knew it was because I was conservative. I mean, they told me as much. I even lost friends in 2020 during the election who no longer wanted to associate with me because I did things like post a picture with Vice President Pence. But Karen, I have to be honest, a lot of the negative attention that I received was not face-to-face at all. It was over social media. And that was with students commenting on Yik Yaks or anonymous platforms that conservative feminism is an oxymoron, that I'm voting against my own interests as a woman by being conservative. So all of this is to say that being conservative definitely impacted my social life, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily for the worse. It made me keenly aware that I needed to change my approach to social interaction. It taught me to lead with our shared identity as Dickinson students, our shared humanity, rather than with our political affiliations. And it really taught me the importance of listening and engaging with the other side accepting the legitimacy of their beliefs and engaging with ideas that I may have not previously heard or been comfortable with. Jordan, you mentioned having political discussions with friends, also uh, that you were outspoken as a conservative from the beginning. Uh, So in addition to political discussions, were you posting on social media from, you know, the first moment you stepped on campus or did you keep your views off of social media at the beginning? So I was not one to hide my political beliefs on social media either. I want to always present my most true and authentic self. That being said, I never wanted to post anything on social media that would be intentionally inflammatory or controversial, because a lot of times I don't feel like the best platform to have a full political discussion is on social media. Nevertheless, I was proud of the community engagement and the volunteerism that I was doing. So sometimes I would post from events that I attended with politicians I was working for. And Jordan, I remember a story about you posting on Instagram and then receiving a lot of comments. Could you share about that? I absolutely can. Yes, Karen, you remember that correctly. In 2020, I was volunteering for the Trump campaign. One of the events that I volunteered for was at a Laura Trump rally. And following the event, I posted a picture of myself with a caption, something like, 20 days until the election means volunteering for Laura Trump. So excited to see what the election brings. Like I said, I didn't want the controversial caption. I didn't want anything inflammatory. So I went with something that I thought was non-controversial. But within minutes of me posting this, there were hundreds of comments on my Instagram, Karen. And some of them were very supportive, but others were just absolutely nasty and mean. And were were these mostly from other students who were leaving comments in college or from like high school friends or other folks? Yeah, absolutely. It was from both. Um, It was from Mm -hmm. some students I had met at college or had only seen in passing. Some students who I only know through their shared college title. I'd never even met them in person. And then others I hadn't seen since high school. Wow. And so what came of this? Did you keep the post up? Did it impact your classes or kind of in-person friendships at all? Or was it just people, you know, who felt comfortable posting because it was online? 
I think that the latter is is the case there. No one wanted to talk to me about it in person. They wanted to comment things like, this is embarrassing. There's no excuse for fascism. Get well soon. White supremacy is a serious illness. But they had never talked to me about this in person. These individuals never asked me why at the time I had supported Trump. Many of these people didn't know me, as I had mentioned before. So, Karen, what worried me so deeply about this was these were people who incorrectly assumed things about me solely based on my party affiliation. And they were so far from the truth that I would never dignify that kind of behavior by taking down my social media post. I just wanted the opportunity to share my perspective for the opportunity to talk to them so that they could understand that none of what they were saying about me was true. But that was the problem is we weren't talking to each other. We weren't seeing each other as anything other than stereotypical images of these two parties rather than autonomous free thinkers. And we're so much more than that. Uh, That's what I find so problematic with a lot of the campus atmosphere is there's an attitude of either you're with us or against us instead of an attitude of, uh, you know, we're exploring these ideas. We have strong beliefs, but I'm, I respect you. So I'm curious as to why you think the way that you do giving people the benefit of the doubt that you also are trying to do the best you can for the country and might just have a different view on the way to move forward. Now, Jordan, based on these experiences that you've had on campus, do you feel like campus culture can get get to a point where people are having more civil discourse? Or do you sort of see it going the other direction where people with different views are going off on their own and not even engaging with the other side? You know, I think we're at a critical point in our society where we have to ask ourselves what we want as a future. Do I think we can engage with the other side in productive civil discourse? Absolutely. But I think it has to be a conscious choice. You know, Karen, my mind always goes to this Pew Research Center survey that came out a few years ago, and it measured partisan apathy. And both sides said that their party has the moral high ground and the other party is increasingly immoral. And obviously, you might not be surprised to find that there are polls like this all the time. I follow it very closely because I'm concerned about this. I think it's important for our college campuses to engage in civil discourse. There's another poll that comes to mind, this CBS News poll, that says an increasing number of people think of the opposite party, not as political opponents, but as enemies. Enemies. I mean, Karen, think about what that word means. That's somebody who's actively trying to destroy us, who's openly hostile to us. And these are how students are thinking right now. And we're taking the common identity and humanity out of the other side. When in reality, I think we touched on this earlier, both sides of the political aisle just want the betterment of society. And we just have different ways of thinking about it. So I think that this can be a wake-up call for us to recommit to our shared American identity. This can be a wake-up call for us to remember how fortunate we are to live in a beautiful democracy that values political diversity and free thinking. And to do that on a college campus, I think we need to do one thing. And I don't know how else to phrase it other than we need to shut up and listen. It's not enough to say that we need to talk to the other side, which we do. We need to come into contact with ideas and people who disagree with us. But I don't think that alone is enough. I think we need to quietly and intently listen to what the other side is saying. And when I say listen, I don't mean listen so that we can insert our own argument or our rebuttal right away. 
but I mean, listen to understand. I mean, this is the type of scenario where we can really become more educated, open ourselves up to new ideas that we weren't previously exposed to. And I feel like that's the reason we're all in college, to become more intellectually astute, to become more educated. So if we keep that in mind, I think we have a real opportunity here to engage in meaningful civil discourse going forward. That is so important. I very much appreciate your point that it's not just that we need to talk with the other side, but also listen. And Jordan, I feel like you did this when you were a student on campus, having those conversations with your peers, listening to them, showing them that a conservative woman is somebody who they can be friends with. I know you wrote in a story that you submitted for the book about how one of your friends would would say that you're the only Republican that she liked. Yeah, <laughs> Can you talk a little bit, a little bit about that um, and what it was like on campus and what you would tell other women on campus to do when they those, face those situations where you want to engage with people who think differently, but you've got to figure out how to have conversations with people who are open-minded as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that it's all about how you frame being in the minority political opinion. We're surrounded by so many people who disagree with us. And as long as you approach the conversation with respect and open-mindedness, ask questions, listen intently like we were just talking about, I think that that breeds comfortability. And if you approach each other with our shared human identity rather than with a party label, I think that's the first step. But what I would tell other conservative women is that you're not a victim. There are going to be mean, liberal-minded individuals on campus who are going to try to knock you down or tell you your beliefs are not worthy. But I think we need to reframe the issue. We need to see being conservative on a college campus as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to challenge conservative stereotypes through open-minded discussion, engaging with the other side, to show liberals that you are intelligent and respectful, tolerant, open-minded, all of these things that question their previously held assumptions of conservatives. I also think it's an opportunity to hear what the other side thinks to strengthen your own argument, right? It helps you better equip yourself with what the other side is saying. It also helps you challenge your own beliefs, open you up to new perspectives. And I think finally, it's an opportunity to distinguish yourself. You know, I tell other conservative young women that there are not too many of us on college campuses, and that presents a really unique opportunity to set yourself apart from your peers and emerge as a leader of conservative political thinking. That's great advice, Jordan. Thank you. Any other general advice you would give to young conservative women about where they are selecting to go to school or how they would build a community on campus? So then having those one-on-one conversations was a, would be a little bit more comfortable? So first off, I think that on any college campus you choose to go to, there will be other people who agree with you, who have the same values and morals that you do. They might not be as outspoken about it, which is why you need to be a leader, which is why you have to be an example to other conservatives who are scared to share their opinion. Finding a conservative community at college is really important because it's so comforting to know that you have a community of people with your value system who think like you do. And that sense of belonging is so fundamental to who we are and what we crave as human beings. We all want to feel like we belong to a political group. But as far as choosing a college, 
I would actually encourage you to go to a college that's predominantly liberal. Going to a predominantly liberal campus was the best decision I ever made because I was able to emerge as a leader of conservative thought. I was able to differentiate myself by the sheer fact that I was conservative. And I was able to open myself up and expose myself to new perspectives, which really helped me grow. And I believe that it can help you grow and emerge as a strong leader. Could you talk about some efforts that you led on campus or events you hosted on campus that you felt helped other people see your views differently or maybe open them up to learning the other side? So as I said, I co-founded the Network of Enlightened Women my first year, and I had this vision for the club to be an open-minded, tolerant organization where anyone across the political spectrum could come to feel heard. So we had an open-door policy. We had individuals who were pagan, who were communist, who were atheist, who were very far left, liberal, and conservative, right? We covered the gamut, and we would invite them into the conversation and hear what they had to say. And they would come. They would come. So good for them for, for coming and being willing to spend their time. That's, that's good for them as well. Absolutely. And at first, you know, I think they did with some interesting intentions. I think they wanted to catch us in the act of being closed-minded or intolerant. But, you know, by the end, we actually made some real progress. We were able to connect with these individuals to understand their perspective. You know, another event that we hosted on our college campus was co-hosted with the College Democrats. It was International Women's Day, and we realized that this was an area where we could all come together to empower women. And we got together, we had snacks and food, and we watched 9 to 5 together. We all like a good movie. We can all engage in lighthearted conversation. And we can all empower women. And I think that the only reason we were able to bridge these divides was because we had individuals across the political spectrum coming to our meetings. So over your four years, Jordan, when you were on campus, do you feel like the atmosphere in terms of civil discourse got better or got worse? I actually think it got better for multiple reasons. Number one, I think that I came in during a very heated election in 2020. And I think that after that election, things settled down because we weren't in the heat of the moment. But we also started an initiative at Dickinson called Dialogues Across Differences. And it's intended to bring people of different political spectrum or across the political spectrum together to have those conversations in a classroom setting facilitated by a moderator that's going to help everybody be able to feel like they have a voice and can share their perspective. So that's something super interesting that Dickinson did in their curriculum that I'm excited to see what happens going forward. I'm glad to hear that you are optimistic about the future of civil discourse on campus. And now, Jordan, I know you are still involved, even as an alum with Dickinson, Can you talk a little bit about your post-grad life and how you are still involved on campus? Yeah, absolutely. So I am still actively involved as an alum of Dickinson because I was selected this year to be the Young Alumni Trustee on our campus. So at Dickinson College, there's a position called the Young Alumni Trustee, which is a full voting member on the Board of Trustees that serves as a liaison between the student body and the board so they can better understand the student perspective on campus. So that has given me an opportunity to stay involved and to really shape Dickinson going forward. And I'm really happy to be a representative, not only of the school, but as a conservative on the board. Congratulations, Jordan. That's quite an accomplishment. And I think that really speaks to the way you uh, presented yourself on campus, that you've been selected for this. 
thank you so much. Yeah, this is a great opportunity and I'm very happy to be involved. Thank you, Jordan. It's been a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you for all your wisdom and advice. We are so excited to share your story along with the stories of other young conservative women. Join us next week as we are going to be talking with another alum who is featured in the book. Make sure you subscribe to the Conservative Woman's Guide wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you are enjoying the show, leave us a five-star review and let us know how we're doing. See you next time.